what I started to realize is I was reading this book. Uh, I had never really learned about this part of God. And so it was the guy that I was seeing in the church wasn't the same guy that I was reading in the Bible. And so that's when I, I realized that, you know, I needed to make a change in my life and I needed to serve the God of the Bible, not the God that I necessarily saw from day to day. Hey, y'all. I'm Jen. I'm a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a niece, a cousin, and a friend. And I love pineapples on pizza, spending all day in Disneyland, shopping for bargains on Amazon, and all things literacy. I'm a Jesus girl. I love people, and I love hearing their stories. In fact, that's what I'm doing here, sharing stories with powerful lessons to encourage us, empower us to keep moving forward, and to remind us that God has our back. I can't wait for you to hear these stories. Why don't you go ahead and join us for a story worth living? So I'm thinking about this concept of all things working together for our good. And it's kind of like the process of creating stained glass windows. You know, the ones of medieval Europe where they would use sand and wood ash and uh, they would heat these to a point of melting. These were raw materials. And once they reached a point of melting, they'd liquefy and they would turn into glass once they cooled. But before they cooled, the glass could be colored when powdered metal was added to the liquid. Well, an entire stained glass was a combination of different sizes and different shapes of glass whose exact placement was carefully mapped out first, and then lead and putty was used to connect the pieces that were set in an iron frame. At the end of this process, the resulting multicolored, beautiful mosaic of glass would be installed in buildings and edifices for all to admire and even wonder about just how it was made. And to think that it started with sand and wood ash well, something else that resonates with me is the idea that this very familiar scripture found in Romans 8:28, which says all things work together for the good of those who love God, means only good things can produce good in our lives. But the word all is inclusive rather than exclusive. It takes in the whole, the totality, the collective, every, the complete the gross rather than the net. What that simply means is God doesn't only use what we consider as good in our lives to work out something good, but he also uses what we consider the bad and the ugly. His divine recipe takes into account the raw ingredients that our experiences offer. And with these seemingly random ingredients, he fashions a masterpiece that grows, that develops, and that catapults us forward while drawing others to recognize their need of him. Well, I want to welcome my friend Wale Arepoju to the podcast and invite each of you to consider the fact that God makes all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, work out for our good and for his glory. So let's listen in as Wale shares his journey from never to now. 
Well, my story, let's see. It's such a long story. Um, <laughs> um, I grew up in the church um, from the time I was born. I was actually born in um, an Adventist institution, Washington Adventist Hospital. So you can say I was born into the church. Um, I grew up, you know, going to church every Saturday, um, you know, hearing the messages, going to Sabbath school, which is basically like, you know, some people call it Sunday school. They go to church on Sundays. Um, and, you know, just kind of learning a lot about God, had family devotion and family worship. So uh, I was very uh, knowledgeable, I should say, on, you know, religious things and, and Bible things. But um, one of the things that happens, I think, to young men in general is like when you get into that middle school, high school age, um, you know, I think one of the most important things that uh, gets on your radar is popularity and respect. And so, you know, as I was transitioning, um, you know, I was at first, you know, getting great, great grades and education was everything, you know, growing up in a Nigerian household, you know, education is one of the things that's definitely uh, hammered in. Uh, but as I started going through that transitional period, um, I wanted started to think like, is education and being smart and getting good grades as important as being accepted? Um, and I think uh, that accept, uh, accepted piece uh, was is big. And I think it still is big for a lot of young black men today, because uh, as I used to always say, you know, um, it's okay for, I think, every other race and every other gender to, you know, be smart. And there's still some popularity that you can get from it. Um, but I think when uh, young Black men are smart, um, that's not looked upon in the community as a, a good thing. And so a lot of times I see young Black men dumb themselves down um, in order to fit in. And so uh, I think I was uh, a victim to that mentality. And so, you know, I used to dumb myself down, you know, just so that I can start, you know, gaining more friends and more acceptance. And so as I went through, it actually did happen. My grades dropped, but my popularity went up. And so uh, basically I, I traded in uh, <laughs> the important stuff. I traded in, you know, for uh, things not so important. Um, and so I guess that started, uh, I would say, I wouldn't call it a decline, but my journey um, back to God. And so, you know, in high school, I was introduced to, you know, smoking. I remember the first time I ever smoked, I was at a playground. Um, and my friend, I was, and some of his friends were there. And I remember uh, there was kids in the playground. And, you know, I felt so bad. I, and I remember asking the question because I was so innocent back then. I was like, um, but there's kids there, you know, how are we going to basically smoke in front of the kids? And what they told me was, um, so they're going to learn someday. And I just remember that stuck with me um, because, you know, just the sense of morals and values that I had um, and the way I looked at the world as opposed to somebody else's worldview as, you know, this is just something that they have to go through and they have to learn. And so, uh, I think that was shocking to me, um, but, you know, I went ahead and to fit in, I went ahead and did it anyway. And uh, uh, that smoking, you know, turned into, you know, skipping class uh, a lot and, you know, going out to hang with friends, um, you know, even drinking alcohol from time to time. Um, so that happened about high school. Uh, I remember going down to college 
and more of the same ensued. You know, now you're, uh, I was 12 hours away from home. I was a lot freer. Um, there was a lot more opportunities to do all sorts of things. And so I took advantage of it and I started, you know, just going further and further down uh, that hole. And so um, the thing about going down that hole is that, you know, it's a gradual progression. Um, you know, you, you don't think that, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, I'm just doing this, so I'm just doing that. And you try to downplay it, but the more and more you stay in it, the more and more you continue to do things, uh, you start to lose control. And so it was the point where, you know, I started to not really have um, the ability to stop, you know, the addiction to uh, Black and Miles started, wasn't ever really addicted to alcohol or anything like that, but Black and Miles was definitely an addiction. And so something that I had to do every single day. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, you know, I'm doing that from probably the age of 16 all the way to the age of uh, 23. And at 23, I had my first uh, real, I think, encounter. Actually, let me rewind. At, at, at 18, I had my encounter. That's when God kind of introduced himself to me. I remember I was uh, just graduated from high school. Um, and I remember uh, I was going to my brother's house. It was 4th of July, 2004. Never forget that date. Um, had my sister in the car. And, you know, back then, you know, like I said, one of the things I always wanted to fit in and be cool, you know, people used to wear white t-shirts all the time, you know, and that was the thing back in the day. And so you didn't want to get your white t-shirt wrinkled. And so I thought, you know, was, I was so cool. And so, you know, I didn't wear a seatbelt um, because, you know, I always wanted to have my white t-shirt fresh when I came out the car. But I remember, you know, I was like in my head, I was like, oh, my sister, I don't want to hear my sister's voice. You know, should I put my seatbelt on or not? She always tell me to put my seatbelt on. But then I heard a voice in my head distinctly that said, put your seatbelt on. And it was so distinct that I, it kind of spooked me for a while. So I was like, okay. And I put my seatbelt, I remember putting my seatbelt on, not knowing what was going on. Now, 10 minutes later, I'm probably like five minutes away from my brother's house. Um, we're at a stoplight and uh, we start to accelerate. I remember as we were accelerating, um, the uh, car from out of town, I remember, I think it was like Pennsylvania or something, four cars up slams on their brakes and so it sets off a chain reaction off of an acceleration where we're all like just suddenly slamming on our brakes and so i remember a split second i slam on my brakes and i just missed the car in front of me i'm about to grasp for air look over to see if my sister was okay and the next thing i know a big bodied 80 something cadillac slams into the back of uh the toyota to sell i was driving um the impact was hard um as a matter of fact, uh, the car was totaled, and uh, I just keep thinking to myself after that day, um, you know, I could have went through the window, you know, something could have happened, to seriously injured, you know, worst case scenario, probably dead by the impact of that car if I hadn't put my seatbelt on. And so uh, that never left me, but it didn't stick hard enough uh, for me to start changing my ways. And so, like I said, that was at 18 and fast forward to 23. My cousin was getting married. I was still down there uh, at school, hadn't really graduated, kind of dropped out by then and was just working. Um, and my mom came down to visit because my cousin was getting married. And so 
hadn't been to church in a while. So, you know, my mom came down. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, get dressed, act like I'm going to, like, this is what I do on a regular basis <laughs> and went to church with her. Um, and so when I went to church uh, that day, I just remember, uh, you know, the preacher was preaching and uh, he was, it was like a youth day, I think. And he was preaching to to the youth, but everything was just me. It's like, man, everything he was saying was just kind of carving me up. And so I remember they had an appeal at the end. I responded to the call. I think it surprised my mom. I went to the back. I was like, you know, crying. They gave us a response card, said, did you want prayer? I checked yes. Did you want uh, Bible studies? I checked yes. Do you want baptism? I checked yes. Do you want rebaptism? I checked yes. I just checked yes to everything because I just, I just wanted everything. Um, uh, the unfortunate part is, and I don't know, nobody knows, so if, I don't know if I missed the call or if the call never came, uh, but after doing that, uh, there was not a communication between me and that church. And so that kind of sent me into a spiral of, um, you know, forget the church, you know, they don't care. Um, you know, I still believe in God. So I, I could never not believe in God, but at the same time, you know, it was just you know, what was the point? And so I kind of just got even worse and went off and, you know, kind of fell into into deeper habits and things like that. And so um, basically, you know, smoking and drinking almost every day. Um, and I remember uh, I was doing that for about three more years, uh, but I was working at this job. I remember I got the job. Uh, it, you know, one of the requirements is you had to have training and it was on the Sabbath and I just didn't care. Um, Sabbath is what Adventists, um, they observe, uh, which is, you know, Friday night to Saturday sunset, uh, where they would just spend time with God. And so we're not supposed to work, but I didn't really care, you know, at that time, cause I didn't care about church or anything like that. So, you know, in order to get the job, I broke it many times and, um, I got the job and I was comfortable, you know, just working whenever I needed to work. Um, but then there was a, a young lady there who I remember uh, we, as we were talking, it came out that, you know, I have an Adventist background. I remember how we got there. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm Adventist too. And I go to so-and-so church. And I was like, oh, that's nice because I didn't really care, you know, but I was trying to be cordial. Um, and so she, you know, kept inviting me like, oh, just come to church, come to church. And you know, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to answer because really in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm coming to this church. Um, and then she told me what church it was. And it was the same church I went to three years before. So I was definitely like, no, nah, I'm not coming to this church. I'm not doing that. You know, they don't care. Why would I go to this church? I mean, it doesn't even matter. Uh, but eventually she kept doing it and kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. So it started to annoy me. And so I'm like, fine, I'm going to show up one time just so she can shut up. And, you know, and I can, it can be over with. And so I remember, um, I think I partied the night before because I purposely was trying to get there late. So, you know, I was probably up to like four in the morning, woke up late, got dressed, you know, came probably like close to one o'clock, um, you know, just to, you know, kind of catch the let out is what we used to call when you go to the club, but I was <laughs> going to the church. And so I was there and, uh, I remember I was, you know, waiting to be seated and I'm hearing this pastor preach and I'm like, you know, listening, something catching my ears. I'm like, man, that's pretty good, you know. And so 
I remember I go in and it's like, I feel in like every message from the, the word of the pastor. And I'm just like, man, that was, that was really good. So I, I remember I, I decided, you know, okay, I'm gonna come back next week. Maybe it was fluke, you know, maybe it was just an accident, but you know, let me see. I want to make sure I catch the whole message. Cause I kind of caught the tail end. And so I remember I come in right before the message um, the next week and I'm standing outside as they're waiting to be seated. And there's a choir scene called the inspirational choir. And I was just listening to the music and I was like, man, that's pretty good. You know, and so I was just, you know, like drawing it. I was like, I want to kind of hear more. And before you know it, I was coming to church every week. I kept coming and I actually uh, started uh, even beating the deacons to church because I wanted all of the experience that I wanted from, you know, we had uh, the early service, then we had Sabbath school, then we had you know, um, basically uh, second service. So I was going to everything and I was basically in church all day. And so uh, it was just, uh, God was just kind of drawing me back. Um, I remember I started church, uh, attending church regularly, um, but I was still kind of doing the same things, um, hearing the messages uh, from week to week, tears flowing down my eyes, but remembering that, you know, last time I went up to the same church, uh, there wasn't a callback. And so um, I remember uh, one day I was uh, at work or about to get ready for work. And uh, I just was in the shower and I was talking to God, you know, in my head and was like, man, I used to have drive. Um, I was like, can you help me uh, get that drive back? Because I lost it. And so I remember I went to work that day. And uh, after going to work, uh, I got there and it was a day that they were laying so many workers off. And so uh, I'm seeing them lay one worker off. I'm like, wow, you know, looking around my shoulder. Next thing you know, I get laid off. Um, and so uh, I go home and I'm like, you know, the same day I pray about increasing my drive is the same day I get fired. So didn't know what to do. It was kind of just, you know, sitting around. Luckily, I had I think I got some extra money that came in. So I was like, okay, I've got a couple of months that I can kind of, you know, play with. Um, and so all I started doing, because I had nothing else to do, was reading the Bible. So I was like, okay, I've never read the, the Bible straight through. So, you know, let me go ahead. I say I'm Christian, right? But I don't even know what the Word of God says. So I need to make sure that, you know, I, I read. So I'm, I'm following what I think I'm supposed to know. So literally, I would be in the house. I read the Bible from basically sun up to sundown, taking breaks only to eat. And so, cause I was like, I got to read this whole thing. And on Wednesdays, I remember I would go to the prayer meetings, all of them. <laughs> so they have the old folk uh, at 12. So I was sitting with the old folk and, uh, you know, just enjoying uh, the, the, the Bible studies. And uh, I was doing that as, as I kept reading the word, uh, you know, for anyone to say that the word is outdated or that the Bible is not real. When I tell you there's been, never been a book that has affected me uh, that much where I'm just reading and I'm just getting cut left and right. I'm like, oops, that hurts. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, wow. You know, uh, God loves us that much. And so what I started to realize is I was reading this book. Uh, I had never really learned about this part of God. And so it was the guy that I was seeing in the church wasn't the same guy that I was reading in the Bible. And so that's when I, I realized that, you know, I needed to make a change in my life and I needed to serve the God of the Bible, not the God that I necessarily saw day to day. Um, and so 
that kind of trained me to stop looking at people and start, you know, looking to God. And so um, I decided to uh, keep going to the church. Uh, unfortunately, the church had uh, a great uh, young adult uh, department uh, with uh, two leaders uh, that, that are stalkers. Um, let me just say that because uh, every time I came there, they would see my face and they would be like, uh, you know, hey, how are you doing? And it had so much energy. They were always happy. And I was just like, nobody should be this happy all the time. So I would purposely, uh, if I see them walking one way, I walk the other way because I wanted to have <laughs> nothing to do with, with, uh, <laughs> with this happiness, right? Because I was, I, was I was happy being miserable. But I'm glad they kept pursuing. I'm glad they kept, you know, uh, trying to pull me along because it was them continuing to pursue me that actually got me connected um, to a good group of people in the church that had actually helped a lot with my growth and my development. And so as I was there, I was doing almost every ministry. I did nursing home. I did prison. I did young adult. I did prayer. Um, I've done some community service. I mean, I was all over the place, but I was happy to, you know, just serve God. And so, um, that church, uh, the same church that I never got a call back was the same church that developed me uh, in my spiritual walk. And so that's why, you know, I just know, you know, God has a sense of humor because there's a lot of things that I said that I'll never do that now I'm, you know, here doing. Or one of those things was being a pastor. So as I got back into the church, I had the bright idea to actually go back to school and get my degree. Um, so I went back to school and got my degree. Uh, but in getting my degree, uh, I, I was trying to figure out which degree to get. And somebody was like, huh, you should probably go and study theology. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> and so, uh, but eventually I prayed about it and I realized that, uh, you know, I just wanted to learn how to study the Bible better. And I knew that theology, uh, the route they take is that they give you Greek and Hebrew and all that other good stuff. And so uh, I did uh, the theology route. Um, I did the chaplaincy route. And that's where I had my first encounter with counseling um, because I never really knew about counseling, never thought it was something that I needed. Um, but uh, I'm glad I did because in that chaplaincy uh, route, we did group therapy and I learned a lot about myself. Uh, fast forward, after I graduated, had no plans to counsel or do anything with, I mean, or pastor or anything like that. I started working at a, a foster care facility in town, uh, quickly became the supervisor. Um, it was just kind of, you know, running uh, the show there, um, living my life. Uh, also being a middle school coordinator, I did like tutoring there as well. Um, and, you know, God had other plans for me. So he called me. Well, I got a call um, about a pastor at uh, whose church uh, my parents went to. Uh, I was finding out that he had uh, terminal cancer, um, and so uh, they wanted me to come up and, and see him, and I, I made sure I made that drive up to Maryland to come see him from Alabama um, before he died. It was, I mean, it was a, a very touching, sad moment um, because he didn't look like anything like I remembered him to be um, because the cancer had really attacked his body. Um, and so after that, you know, I, I left. It was a sad moment, but I didn't think twice of it. Uh, shortly after, somebody had told me, don't remember who, uh, whispers of, uh, oh, they, uh, he wanted you to be the next pastor of the church. And so when I heard that, 
I, I was taken back because I was actually uh, just finished taking my LSAT not too long ago and was ready to pursue my career in law. Um, and so as I'm thinking about law school and I'm thinking about uh, going to become the next pastor, I'm just like, there's no way I want to be a pastor. I, I want to be a lawyer. I want to go fight for justice. I was into juvenile justice. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, be that type of advocate. Uh, long story short, uh, eventually uh, I learned about the letter that he wrote and uh, they sent it to the conference. Uh, the conference called me and they wanted to interview me. They interviewed me uh, once by themselves and they interviewed me with the church and then they hired me. So even at that date, I was like, oh man, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do this? Lo and behold, uh, I became the pastor of the church. And so um, it was an extremely long journey, uh, you know, but I believe that all twists and turns, one thing I know about God is that every decision we make, even when it's not a good decision per se, uh, he uses it for our good. So a lot of the skills I've learned, you know, outside of the church walls, a lot of the uh, ability to communicate with different type of people who probably never been to church or, you know, aren't uh, church goers, um, it, it really helped me now to minister to those people where and reach those people where others can't. And so um, I'm just blessed that, you know, I've been through this journey. I'm still going through a journey, you know, uh, still fighting sometimes, God, but uh, I realize now that, you know, it's better to just ride the wave with God than to fight against the current. And so I'm just glad to be here today and I'm glad uh, for everything that God has done in my life. For a young person that says they've gone too far, um, if you still have breath in your body, there's no such thing. Um, because uh, there was times where I thought I would never go back to church, or I'd never be a part of this church, or you know, I'd never even you know do anything related to uh, Christianity or Adventism or whatever. Um, but God has a way of changing your never into a now. And so <laughs> um, I, I just know that uh, God, is, if God, God is still working on you. If you still have feelings, if you still are struggling, if you're still fighting, that means that God is there and he's working with you. And so don't ever, you know, let go. Um, don't think that you've gone too far because uh, it's never too far uh, with God. Um, so as long as you still have breath in your body and ability and a sound mind, you know, God can work with whatever and turn it into something good. While I am so encouraged by your story and the way that God masterfully and decidedly really does cause all things to work together for our good and for his glory. We just never know how he's going to do it, but that's okay because if we stick with God, then we will certainly make it. Thank you so much for sharing your story worth living. I'm so looking forward to sharing more stories with you, to connect with you, challenge you, and energize you. Stories create environments where we can learn valuable insights from each other's experiences. They represent our collective pain, joy, fear, faith, best days and worst days. They unite us, teach us, challenge us, delight us, and enable us to convey messages of hope in a complicated world. There's something to learn from someone else's story. They are countless lessons of faith, hope, and love. So why not take some time to consider your own story then join us again for another 
story worth living. <laughs>